I mentioned previously in the introduction to the service, and Martha also made reference to the fact that we are shifting from one to the other today. Today is a, a hinge Sunday, shifting from the afterglow of Christmas towards our preview of Lent when it comes to Ash Wednesday. And for that sake, and for that purpose too, I'd like to point out to and make make uh, make you attentive to the banners that are above the altar today. The middle two banners, word made flesh dwells among us. Those banners went up onto the, uh, uh, above the altar before Christmas. Those were there in order to accentuate or highlight the coming of our Lord in the flesh. That the Son of God did not stay aloof, but God the Son, Jesus of Nazareth, came to be God for us in the flesh at Christmas. At his baptism, Jesus was announced publicly by God the Father to be his only begotten Son. This is my Son whom I love. And so the next banners, my beloved Son, listened to him, went up at the time of celebrating Jesus' baptism. That was the second Sunday in January this last year, Sunday after January 6th. But the last shoe of that entire uh, move from Christmas lands today. Because again, at Transfiguration, God the Father shows up as a main voice in the story, in Jesus' experience with his disciples. And he has to, for some very specific reasons, which Martha also hinted at, and which we'll reiterate again in the sermon, he has to tell them in no uncertain terms that they ought to be listening to what he's saying. So the word made flesh dwells among us, Christmas. My beloved son, with whom I'm well pleased, baptism, listen to him, comes up today at Transfiguration. These banners above the altar tie the entire proclamation that Jesus is the Son of God into these celebrations where we have white on the altar. Christmas, the baptism of our Lord, and transfiguration. Each of them is a white Sunday surrounded by green Sundays as well in between, but these banners tie all of those events together as the Father proclaims to us the truth about Jesus the Baptist, this is my unique, only begotten and, be and dearly beloved Son, who is going to be doing the work of salvation for you. Pay attention. Now, why did he say, listen to him? Well, to be honest and to be very clear, it's because the disciples had stopped listening. And Martha mentioned the episode right before this reading. Jesus begins to take his disciples aside privately to explain to them exactly and in some detail and some unwelcome detail what was going to happen at the end of their road. We're going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be rejected there. They're not going to take my word for truth. They're going to reject me and my teaching, and they're going to kill me. I'm going to be convicted of, uh, of 
falsehood by both Jews and Gentiles, the entire world is going to stand against what I have to say. And on the third day, I will rise again. Now, for whatever reason, and we'll get into this when we get into the rest of the sermon, for whatever reason, they didn't hear that last part. At least they didn't hear it so that they trusted it and let it guide their faith. All they heard was, I'm going to die. And that wasn't what they wanted to hear. Peter pulls Jesus aside and says, this is never going to happen to you. And Jesus has to rebuke him in some fairly harsh terms. Get behind me, not just Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You have in mind the things of man and not the things of God. And so to reiterate that very challenge that when we hear the word of the Lord, Satan is right there as he has been since Genesis 3 to try to mutate it and to have it be more acceptable to us to, to reclaim the kingdom of God in our own image instead of in the image of Jesus. God the Father comes to these disciples, and particularly to Peter, and says, hey, this guy on the mountain who's transfigured before you, he's my son, not you. Listen to him and not your own will. Repent, because the king of the kingdom of God is right here. So with that in mind, please... Turn to your bulletin again, and we'll read together the third petition. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does this mean? The good and gracious will of God is done even without our prayer. But we pray in this petition that it may be done among us also. How is God's will done? God's will is done when he breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature, which do not want us to hallow God's name or let his kingdom come. And when he strengthens and keeps us firm in his word and faith until we die, this is his good and gracious will. Now, I would put before you that our text today, especially in conversation with the paragraphs just previous to what we read in our gospel lesson for today, is God doing exactly this. He's breaking down all of the false notions that we would have about God, setting them aside, false notions about Jesus, setting them aside, lifting high him and his cross so that we would be strengthened in a true faith. A faith that relies on exactly what he said. I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die, but on the third day I'm going to rise again. To hear the whole thing and to cling to it, that this is life. That the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is life. To hear not just the first half and to, to wonder how it is possible that, that God's own son, God's own king would die but to recognize that it is through death that he is going to defeat my death and that in his resurrection, he's going to claim me for eternal life. And that that, that is the, the mission of the king. To hear and to cling to and to 
recognize all that is necessary for that to happen and to not let any word of Satan or the world or even of my own passions redirect that faith to a, a different notion, but to be in line and aligned with Jesus in his mission, to recognize that I also am going to be called to pick up my cross and follow him, and that in following him, my ears need to be attuned to what he says, because he's going to tell me exactly how it's going to go. It's going to go with him, and how it goes with him is the way it's going to go with me, all the way through death to resurrection. But you don't skip the one to get to the other. We don't get to, to bypass the cross. No, we have to go through Lent. We have to go through the cross, both with Christ and with ourselves. Because on the other side of death in Christ is life in Christ. And it is for eternal life that he has called us in our birth and new birth in baptism and proclaimed on the mountaintop, just as he will proclaim it at Calvary and that the angels will declare it at the empty tomb. He is risen. And it's that full trajectory of all that the Lord does for us, all the way from heaven to the very depths of hell for us, all the way up back into heaven again, that he paves our way forward as well. And not necessarily to smooth out any of the bumps, but that the bumps, the troughs, the pits would even be sanctified, even to sanctify our own graves. Our baptism doesn't wear off. It goes with us even into our own crypts so that we would be cared for by our Father in the promise that on the third day, he rises. And on the great day, we all rise with him. All of this is the good and gracious will of God that his name would be hallowed among us and that his will would be done among us. There's a, a lot of excitement over uh, will. Uh, I'm not talking, about, not talking about the piece of paper that declares what you're going to pass on to your heirs. I'm talking about your will. There's a lot of excitement about that, about how... How you get to decide all kinds of things in your life. And, and you do, you do. You get to decide, you know, you've got a blue shirt on, you've got a pink shirt on, you've got a white sweater on, you've got a, a brown shirt on. Everybody had a chance to go into their closet today and figure out what they were going to put on. Is it determined by God what you put on? Kind of, yeah, sort of, but, you know, you, you were part of all that. We get excited about that. We get excited about the fact that we get to go and, go shopping for Christmas presents. We get to decide what we're going to get. We get to decide what we get to do for supper. What restaurant are we going to go to for, for the birthday lunch this month? Well, somebody gets to decide. We got all kinds of decisions that we get to make. We get excited about those decisions. We get so excited about those decisions that we, we get tempted to transfer that whole process to our relationship with God. As though choosing out a pair of socks was the same as choosing out whether we were going to believe in God or not. We pray in this petition that God's will would be done, not ours. We pray in this petition that God's will would be done on earth 
in equal measure and in equal veracity and in equal power to how it's done in heaven. How is it done in heaven? Absolutely perfectly. The angels serving our heavenly father do his will as he directs. No questions asked. They do it completely. The Lord told Gabriel to go to Nazareth on that day and talk to Mary about the fact that she was going to be the mother of the Lord of heaven and earth. Gabriel didn't say, I guess I would like to go fishing instead. He didn't decide to do anything else. He went. He delivered the message. He celebrated with all the other angels. Then nine months later with, with the heavenly host there in the hills of Bethlehem to announced that the word that he'd spoken had come true. The angels that were going to be there at, at our Lord's temptation, we'll read about next week, to minister to him and to strengthen him and to give him comfort in the midst of his challenges with Satan, his warfare with Satan, to remind him that he and the Father are one and that the work of the Spirit is, is to engage with these demonic powers and to defeat them, to send them running, to cast them out so that there is room for the kingdom of God in the lives and hearts and minds of people. Those angels didn't question God the Father. They went. They went to Jesus. They strengthened him. They reminded him that he was not on this apart from his father or apart from the work of the Spirit, but that he, in fact, was the agent of God for all these things, the Son of God, to be here, to visit his people, and to bring this word of hope and truth. And he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, readying his mind, will, and heart through prayer, that the will of God, the Father, would direct all things, not my will, but thine be done. If there be another way, consider it, Father, but, but not my will, thine be done. The angels come to him at the behest of God the Father. They strengthen him. This is the way. Because all of my people are going to have to go through death. All of my people must endure the sentence on sin. The wages of sin is death. They are rebels. Rebels die. But rebels who die in Christ rise from the dead. They come into eternal life. They have his imprimatur, his seal, his promise, his pledge. As he endures, so also we. As he dies, so also we. As he lives, so also we. So the angels come to confirm him in this word, path, and cross for our sakes. It is God's passion and compassion for us that drives his will from heaven to earth. So that everything that is done in heaven is done perfectly. So that everything is done on earth by his son and in his spirit is done just as perfectly. And the angels there, the angels there at the tomb, 
to greet the women who are coming to anoint a dead body. <laughs> Fooled you! He's not here. He's going to see you in Galilee. It's going to be great. Go, go there. That's where you'll see him. He's alive. Those angels didn't question the father, but with glee, I'm sure. And welcoming the son home to sing his praises around the throne of heaven. Ha, they are they are the ones who have to break off from the party and take a little bit of that party down to Jerusalem, down to the outskirts of the city where a few women are coming to be the first apostles to the apostles. The Son of God, the Son of God is risen. The Son of God, the King, is going to ascend his throne. That they can be a part of it. That they those women and the apostles whom they will tell, they can join in on the fun. And all heaven is breaking loose to declare. And at his ascension, another white event, our Lord Jesus Christ is welcomed home, surrounded by all of heaven doing the will of our Father with not even a lick of the presence of Satan who has now been cast out. For now, because of the work of Jesus of Nazareth, the work of God the Son, Satan has no more access to heaven. He can't prance into the Lord's holy hall like he did to accuse Job. His words are taboo. His accusations silenced. He is cast out. The casting out of the demonic and the people of God is just one more example. The fact that God hears those evil words no more. It is the will of God that the prosecuting eternity and the prosecuting attorney has to rest. You got to sit down and shut up. That's the will of the Father. He has no place. He has no standing. He has no case against you. All that speaks against you has been nailed to the cross. The Son of God has borne that guilt. The Son of God has delivered his verdict. Forgiveness. Forgiveness covers all sins. The case against you has been thrown out of court. Because the Father so wills it. Now, with all those blessings, with all those works being perfectly done in heaven, how's it going here on earth? We throwing out the cases against one another? We forgiving as the Father forgives us. We clinging to these promises uh, in the in the way that 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 Peter and Paul did in Acts, or are we clinging to these promises and hearing them the way Peter did right before he was called Satan? 
we pray that God would do his work with us so that our faith would stay strong, to break down everything that would hinder it, and to lift up and strengthen everything that will keep it on its firm foundation, to cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today, to make his will our will, to stop getting excited about all the things I get to decide. But to pray sincerely, Lord, you do the work. For anything that's going to get done right is going to be done by Christ in you. Anything that's going to get messed up, that's the stuff that's in your hands. <laughs> we wish it was different, but when we're honest with ourselves, it's not. It is the Lord Jesus Christ reigning and resurrected in us that gets anything good at all done by his gracious gift of work in us. We pray it to be continuing day in and day out. We pray in this petition that Jesus, who has promised to be working in and through the body of Christ, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And you trust in my word, you are truly my disciples, and I will come and I will make my home with you. And you will do the works of God. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. You will go and you will teach them everything I've commanded you. And you will baptize them in my name, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the word of God will will sink deeply into their minds and hearts through their ears and through the, the word of baptism and, and to feed them, to feed them on the new tree of life, my own body and blood for you so that you might have life in my name, so that I have hold on them. Because no one can snatch them out of my hand. It is the will of the Father that the Son be born in you, and that the Spirit hold and keep you always, and all those in this world. It is his fervent desire that each person be saved. So going, we take these words of this prayer along with us. We pray that the name of the Lord emblazoned on our hearts and minds by holy baptism would be contagious. We pray that the word of the Lord, filling our ears and framing and shaping our hearts and minds so that our will dies and Christ's will, Christ's will is raised in us. Let him do the work. He's promised to do it. What he does is good. What I contribute, not so much. Have your way with me. The Lord's will is done even without our prayer. But do we want to be a part of it? Do we want to be in the game? Do we want to be cheering from the sidelines? To pray this prayer is to put yourself on the front line, to make yourself a target, but to make yourself eminently useful, as useful as Gabriel, as useful as Michael. Sign me up, Lord. Give me them all. 
will go long. And to be in his kingdom and to be in his army and to be in his will. This is good. This is the good and gracious will of God at work among us. This is the living, breathing life of Christ, the very body of Christ, doing what he has always done. Reaching and healing, casting out evil, bringing light into darkness, sacrificing himself for the neighbor, pouring himself out in service, loving without limit. And this confirms, this life, this love confirms the truth that in the midst of death, very because of death, resurrection is the hope and that the light of Christ is not extinguished. With these promises in their back pockets, Peter and James and John go down the mountain with a bit of a secret in their hearts and minds. They've seen something. On the day of resurrection, that word is going to break loose. Hell will be terrified and shaken, and heaven will be an open door. Amen. The peace of God that passes all human understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in faith towards Christ Jesus. Amen.